Hello and welcome to Care and Conversations, where we are about to find out about preparing for birth. Care Plus Pharmacy presents Care and Conversations, a podcast for new parents hosted by mom and brand director Leanne Highland. On this podcast, we want to help you through the scary firsts of parenting and newborn life, bringing you practical advice from the people that know. Hold on tight and enjoy the journey. We've got you. Hello and welcome to Care and Conversations, a podcast for new parents. In today's episode, we cover everything you need to know about preparing for birth. To talk to us about this topic, we have community midwife Anya Hennessy. Anya is founder of AH Midwifery, supporting women and families through pregnancy, birth and postpartum. As a self-employed community midwife, Anya has spent time working across Ireland, the UK and the UAE. Anya is passionate about empowering women and supporting them and their families to have the best experience during pregnancy and birth. Anya, welcome to the show. I'm so delighted to get to chat to you today. And thanks very much for having me. Oh, no, it's brilliant. I'm so excited about this this, um, episode, Anya. Thank you. (laughs) It's safe to say that preparing for birth is probably one of the most anxious times for pregnant women. So what would be your some of your advice on some of the positive things that women can do to help them manage that anxiety? It's a huge, huge change in a woman's life. They always say like uh, planning a wedding, moving a house and having a baby are the three most stressful things that you could do in your life. So um, for sure, definitely uh, anxiety can be a, play a big part. When we when we think about pregnancy and birth, it's very much a physical event. The body changes in pregnancy. You know, you're you're growing a, a little human inside you. So a lot of women focus on exercise, diet, and and what they can do to make sure themselves and baby are really healthy from a physical point of view. But actually, mindset is really important, and it's just as important as the physical part. There's loads of support there that you can access during your pregnancy, the likes of your GP, your midwife, um, the doctor in the hospital, and all hospitals also have a mental health perinatal mental health team in the hospital so that you can access those supports if you need to. But also things within your life that you can do at home, things like exercise, a little walk during the day. If you enjoy going to the gym, if that's something you did before pregnancy, you can continue that during your pregnancy. Um, You'll hear a lot of women going to the likes of yoga and Pilates. Meditation can be a big thing. And sometimes it's hard to get into meditation, but that's where the likes of hypnobirth and gentle birth can come into it as well. They're all about uh, focusing on a positive mindset around birth as opposed to focusing on the negative stories. And we always hear more negative than positives. And then especially reading or even listening to positive birth stories, surrounding yourself with that positivity and happiness and excitement around childbirth is really important. Yep, I totally agree. And Anya, I think a lot of women would be asked, like, do you have a birth plan? And I remember this came up and I'm thinking, God, I didn't really know what a birth plan was. Can you maybe just give some insight into that? And and is it really critical for a woman to have that in advance? The first thing I would say is, and this is this is the the hypnobirthing teacher in me, language is real important. And when we say birth plan, 
plan is real rigid, isn't it? And then like, if something doesn't go to plan, it completely derails you. So even by changing the language, so we'd normally say birth preferences. So preferences are a bit more realistic, especially when it comes to pregnancy and birth, because pregnancy and birth is so unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen um, throughout the pregnancy or the birth. So if we're saying preferences, this is something that I would prefer to have as um, or within my my labor and birth experience. But understanding that if things begin to change into a, another path, that we might not have en- envisaged that, but we can cope with it better. So it's basically uh, your birth preferences. It's a description of how a woman would visualize her birth and the preferences she would like from that experience. So it's things like what kind of analgesia or pain relief she would like to use during labor, what kind of birthing aids, things like a TENS machine, a birthing ball, different positions she wants to use in labor, um, right up until after baby's born. So would would I like some skin to skin with baby? Whatever the choice of feeding might be, whether it's breastfeeding or using formula or a combination of both. But also then it's it's a space to have that discussion around interventions within labor and um, a woman's preference around that, but also understanding if things do change, are you going to be open to that change and have that discussion with your team and make a, a fully informed decision within your labor and birth? I presume a birth plan or birth preference is something that you maybe discuss with your your team that, you know, whether it's your midwife, your doctor, your consultant, and it's something that you kind of do together. It's not something you have to do in isolation, I presume. Absolutely. And, and like that, as you said, it, you don't have to do it. You know, not every woman has to do it. You do it if, you, if, if it's something you're interested in. I would say if you are doing it, research into it. I would, I tell a lot of, a lot of my clients to, to have it like short and snappy. Like there's absolutely no point coming in with like 18 pages as, as Rachel and friends says, 18 pages front and back full of stuff because it's not going to be realistic and um, a lot of things can be lost. So it's something you, you research, you sit down, you can chat to your partner or your birth partner about it and bring it into your antenatal appointment, sit down with your midwife and doctor, they'll talk you through it. And then also when you go in, in labor to also bring a copy and have your midwife who's looking after you in labor, look through it with you as well. Anya, this is a kind of an area that you obviously have, you know, or you're very, very passionate about and you have huge amount of experience in, but I'd love to just kind of, you know, discuss some of the options that women have in terms of where they give birth. You're a massive advocate of home births, um, which is obviously fascinating. But I was just wondering if you could just maybe give some insight into, you know, for women in terms of the options that they have. And if they were to do something that's maybe around home birth, how would they, like, where do they start with that? So first of all, in Ireland, really, we have we have two options. So you've got hospital or at home <laughs> to give birth. Um, the majority of women in Ireland do opt to give birth in hospitals, either under the care of a midwife or an obstetrician. Most hospitals in the country, they have uh, what's called midwifery-led care for women or a domino midwives. And these midwives would care for the women throughout their pregnancy and their labor. The other options in hospital are you have the option to go for private care. So either semi-private or private. And this is where you would be under the care of an obstetrician and you would see your obstetrician throughout your pregnancy. And then they would also be present for your birth. Then we have 
home birth. So it's very rare for a woman to opt for home birth, but our numbers have increased over the past couple of years. So less than 1% do opt to give birth at home. So it's a very, very small number. We have two options in Ireland with this. So either under the HSE scheme, so that's with a self-employed midwife uh, such as myself, or else you have the option for private midwives Ireland. So the HSE service, it's a free service and it's suitable for low risk women. Uh, So we do screen them quite rigidly to make sure that they are okay to continue for a home birth with ourselves. Private midwives are a little bit different. The private midwives care for women of all different risk categories. It is within a private sector, so it does come with a cost, unfortunately. But they've numerous different care packages that the women can opt for. So both of those services is they're midwifery led. So you have one midwife following you through your pregnancy and your birth and also postnatally. I'm glad that we kind of discuss this because even when I started to do a bit of research around it, I, I toyed with the option of it. I, I think it's, it seems like something quite special and magical. And I've seen, you know, my sister-in-law, she had two home births and, and they were just, they seemed like such lovely experiences. So, you know, I, I did actually toy with the idea, but I did feel that there's just a lack of information around it. So I, I think it's it's great that there's obviously services and, and there's people like you, you know, that are really kind of advocating for that that space because it is nice for a woman to have choice. It's a shame because the information is it's difficult to find when looking for home birth in Ireland. Now, there's there's absolutely reams of evidence and research around the safety of home birth from an international point of view. So we know it's a very safe choice. For the right woman. But then on the flip side, you have another woman who feels safe in hospital and that's totally fine as well. It's purely about giving that choice to women and making an informed decision. As part of your company, I know hypnobirthing is a massive topic that you, you know, you really, really kind of help women um, to kind of, I suppose, learn about and, and, and go through. If I look back on it, I think I would have definitely, if I had done some sort of course and, you know, talked it through, I probably would have had a better understanding of it. I wonder, can you just discuss that a bit? Take us kind of through some of the insight on on how hypnobirthing can really help promote more positive birthing experiences for women. So hypnobirthing, it's not as wild as as it probably sounds. Hypnobirthing, it's basically about reprogramming our mind to not be afraid of childbirth. It's about eliminating fear and then building a positive outlook around birth. So when you're practicing hypnobirthing, it's a combination of meditations. It's practice with your birthing partner. It's focusing on positive affirmations. And a big thing that I would say to um, to all my clients and particularly in my classes is that Every birth can be a positive one. Like, you know, when you hear about positive birth, it doesn't necessarily have to be that vaginal drug-free birth. It can be an instrumental birth. It can be a cesarean section. It's it's mindset. And that's so important when it comes to hypnobirthing. And don't get me wrong, I know there is a lot of hurt and there's a lot of trauma for women when it comes to their own birth experience, but hypnobirthing can massively help with that. And For me personally, I think uh, a face-to-face course uh, or an in-person course, you get so much more from it. You know, with with COVID, we did everything moved online for a little bit and I did try it. Now it worked. You know, a lot of women, they got so much out of it, but there's something 
different about sitting in front of someone and teaching them about this and engaging about, you know, hypnobirthing. And it makes more sense then as well, especially when you're practicing, because we do practice in class as well, which there's a bit of a giggle about. And uh, I think everyone leaves my class just feeling absolutely zonked. They're so tired, which is a positive thing because <laughs> you want them to feel tired and, and, and sleepy. <laughs> I love teaching it. It's so relaxing. It's a lovely weekend. It's a really relaxing, chilled out, no pressure kind of uh, weekend. And I find that a lot of families, a lot of couples that come to my class, they feel excited to give birth. They're looking forward to it and happy to start practicing and, you know, just leaving really kind of zen and chilled and yeah, I can do this. We know in Ireland that most women are obviously, you know, they use the, they go to the hospital. Can you give some advice on what mums actually really need to prepare for like labor and birth or what they need to really pack because I remember I did this. I think I was going away for like two weeks. I had nearly two suitcases and I had so much stuff. It turns out I was only in the hospital for like, what was less than 24 hours. This is the height of COVID. So I was kind of in birth home mm. before I knew it. I didn't even open my second bag. I just think it would be really, really good if we could maybe simplify it from a kind of a practical point of view, apart from obviously baby clothes, nappies and all that. But are there kind of things that mum should bring? Yeah, like like you said, it's you're not really going away for a week's stay. Like most women, like with a... You're not going to a spa. <laughs> unfortunately not, God, if only. You know, most women like that, they're probably only going to be in for one or two nights, unless maybe a cesarean section, you could be there for three, potentially four nights. So even still, it's not going to be too long. Uh, so as you said, yeah, you're, you're going to pack the, the usual like baby clothes, nappies, toiletries for mum, things like that. So I would say some sort of earphones or like a Bluetooth speaker if you have music on. So just to keep you distracted in that sense. A lot of women find a TENS machine quite good. So that's a trans-electrical nerve stimulation. So it's a little um, machine that they can use in labor uh, on their back. It's used as a distraction technique that could be quite good. A little electric fan. Hospitals are super warm because they need to be warm for, for the babies when they're coming out. So um, a little electric fan just to keep you cool um, or equally a, a cloth that you can you can run under some cold water and pop it on your face, the back of your neck. Snacks are a big thing just to give you a little bit of energy. You're not going to want to eat massive meals. So definitely won't be ordering like the McDonald's or the Domino's, but easily digestible snacks that are going to be higher in energy. So things like granola bars, nuts or seeds, bananas, peanut butter, things like that, that's going to give you that big burst of energy. And also isotonic drinks. So isotonic drinks are going to hydrate you, but then also give you that boost of energy. And then they're going to replace any salt that's lost as well if you're if you're quite sweated, sweating or dehydrated. I put this question out to Instagram as well, because I was like, I wonder if there's anything that, you know, women who have gone through labor would say, oh, absolutely. So Lip balm was a popular one. I 100% agree with that. Your lips go so dry. Super big, comfy undies. So your big, big knickers for afterwards. Mm. A pillow, your own pillow. Yep. was a big one as well. And one that caught my eye and I was like, ah, this is someone thinking outside the box now is a doula. Clever. Yeah, doula is a support person um, throughout your pregnancy and birth and then postnatally. So they're there as a support for you, both in a in a physical and, and an emotional and a psychological sense as well. So um, researching into a, a birth doula. There you go. 
I see a lot about birth doulas and it seems to be kind of becoming very, very kind of popular within Ireland. I, I think it's, it's, I think it's obviously really big in America. Um, but I think there seems to be like a lot of um, information online about how you can get these, you know, doulas to support. And then also it's worth noting as well. And on you've probably seen them. You can get postpartum doulas. Definitely something worth researching if, if you feel that that could be something. I might just add on, on that list, which is something that I just remembered now, which I wish I had. And my, when I packed, just very, very practical. If you can bring an extra long charger, you know, an extra long wire, yeah. because sometimes in the hospitals, it's like the, you know, when you're charging your phone, it's just not long enough to reach the bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which just seems sound crazy. But um, yeah, I think that was one that I definitely missed on my list and that I will 100% bring again. It's actually on my list as well. And I just skipped past it, didn't I? Yeah, long phone charger. <laughs> and the phone charger, because you, yeah, you just, just the extra long one. But I know yeah. I think that's all really helpful. And and. And what I might do is in the show notes, um, Care Plus has a full extensive list, um, like a checklist um, that you can print out for um, mums packing for their hospital bags. So I'll link it in the show notes and, and then, you know, anyone listening can just download it and it's just there and done for you. And then I think if we could maybe just talk about, I suppose one of the biggest questions is like, okay, well, how do I know if I'm going into labour? And what are some of the signs that you should look out for that you know you're going into labour? And at what point do you really, really need to connect with your medical team, whether it's your midwife, if you're at home or it's going into the hospital or ringing the hospital, whatever it might be? So number one, I would always take uh, time of day and distance into account when your labour is starting. Very true. It can be an absolute nightmare. Um, And then also how far away you are from the hospital or where your midwife is. Also, just to be aware that labor can be different for every single woman, but it can also be different for every different pregnancy. So some women can pass what's called a mucus plug. So this is basically a clear or it can be a little bit bloody or or brownie streaked. And it's uh, basically like a lump of jelly that comes away from inside. Okay, this means that the uterus, the muscles of the uterus are beginning to relax and they're opening for labor. And when this happens, this mucus plug comes away and you pass it through the vagina. So it's a sign that labor is on the horizon. It might not necessarily mean that labor is going to start straight away or even in the same day. It could be a few days later. It could be a week later. Okay. When we talk about labor, I suppose a big thing is talking about contractions and particularly with first babies, just be mindful that labor can have this stop start pattern mm-hmm. where you nearly think that it's starting and your tightenings or your contractions begin. And a lot of this time it happens at night and it's that's hormonally related. It's a change in our hormones at nighttime. And um, fun fact, it's why most women go into labor and spontaneously give birth between 3 and 5 a.m. So oh, really, <laughs> yeah. So that's why I'm more used to getting phone calls at nighttime to go at out night. to women for home birth. <laughs> Um, yeah. So if you, you know, say for argument's sake, it's in the evening time, you're sitting down, you start to feel these tightenings, these contractions. And my best advice would be go to bed, go to bed at your usual time, get some rest, allow your body to rest as much as you can. And then if it's a case that either they're going to stop or kind of slow down, at least you've been in bed and you've had a chance to have a bit of a rest. If it's a case you wake at two or three in the morning and they've completely ramped up, that's fine too, but that mm-hmm. means you've had a few hours of a sleep. As I said before, depending on where you're living or how far away your your midwife is, if you're opting for a home birth, the rule of thumb would be one contraction every three to five minutes and lasting up to 60 seconds each. 
And you will know this transition because you'll need to stop. So as soon as that contraction comes, you need to stop. You focus on your breathing. You're unable to talk through a contraction. You can contact your midwife or the hospital and speak to someone and they'll be able to triage you on the phone and then advise you what to do and, um, and give you support then and there. And then the other one would be your waters. So a lot of women, their waters break. And this would be a large gush of Mm -hmm. fluid or it could be a constant trickling. And usually it's clear fluid. So if this happens, then I'd contact the midwife or your hospital. And this can happen before your contractions start. It could happen during labor. It could happen just at the very end of labor before your baby's born. So it's very different. As I said, there's no pattern or there's no particular way that a woman's labor should start. Everyone is very different. Some women can pass a mucus plug before labor. Others may pass it during labor. One woman's waters may break before her labor begins. Another may break during her labor. So it's very different, Mm -hmm. but it's just to be aware of all those different signs. But always, if you're unsure, call your midwife or call the hospital and they'll be able to, to give you advice. That's really, really good advice. And and you're right. I think, you know, the there's always somebody at the end of a, of a phone. So mm-hmm. I also think it's it's safe to say that you're not actually going to annoy anyone. So use the phone, even mm-hmm. if it's a false alarm. And even if you're not yeah. actually in labor, just get the reassurance. You know, that's what everyone's there for. And they're there to support you. And, and especially as a first time mother, you just may not know. So yeah, no, that's really good advice on you. So just to going to kind of one of the most, like when I was in antenatal class, this is one of the most asked questions um, through the class, which is basically all about the pain relief options. Can you kind of briefly take us through, you know, kind of an overview of what options there are available for women in terms of the whole kind of pain relief side of things? So for pain relief, I suppose from a, like in inverted commas, pain relief, it's, it's not natural in a sense. There's a lot of distraction techniques that women can use to help manage the pain. So it's all about staying calm, staying relaxed as as much as you can during that time to allow the body's natural hormone and natural rhythm of labor to, to unfold. So as I said, things like a TENS machine can be really helpful. Light touch massage or lower back pressure can be very good as well. If you're opting for hypnobirthing, using your hypnobirthing tracks or um, visualizations, movement. It's all a lot of it is about movement. Our bodies were designed to give birth upright, so changing position into all fours or squatting, using birthing aids, a birthing ball, mm-hmm. a bean bag, a birthing stool, and then you go into the likes of water. So water immersion in labor, whether it be a shower or a bath at home, or using the birthing pool in hospitals or at home. It's absolutely fabulous form of managing pain relief and water is actually known as the midwife's epidural. So (laughs) you just see as soon as a woman gets into the water, you see this kind of big sense of relief as soon as they get in and their toe touches that water and they just sink down and their whole body relaxes. It's absolutely fabulous to use water um, during your labor. And then you have the likes of um, the the options within hospitals. So number one, if you've you've got uh, gas and air, Mm-hmm. or Entinox. So this is an inhalation analgesia. So basically, as soon as you feel a contraction coming on, you start to breathe it in. So it's a nitrous oxide or laughing gas is what most people know it as. And this helps to minimize that the pain of that contraction. Because it's a it's a gas, we're inhaling it. It's It's gone from our system within about five minutes and it doesn't have any adverse effects on baby. You then also have the likes of a pethidine injection. So pethidine is an opiate medication. 
It can be given at the early stages of labor or say if a woman is is being induced in the hospital and, and is looking for some rest. So this is given by an injection and it's normally given alongside an anti-sickness medication because sometimes it can make you feel a bit nauseous. It does make you quite sleepy and helps you get a little bit of rest. With the pethidine, I suppose the risk with that is that it can transfer through the placenta and make baby quite sleepy as well. So you would find that women who opt for that, particularly in the first 24 hours or so, you'll notice your baby's a little bit on the sleepier side and sometimes can be a, a little bit uh, of, a, of a pain to feed because they just want to sleep. <laughs> and and then, of course, we have the, the epidural. So the epidural is a spinal injection, we'll say. Uh, it's done by well, the anesthetists in the, in the hospital. They would numb an area of your back and they would insert a little tube into your into the spinal into the spinal fluid and give you medication through that. So the idea with an epidural is that you are numb from the waist down. So you might be able to feel touch, but you wouldn't feel sensation like hot or cold. This can be absolutely fabulous for a woman if she is in a lot of pain, if she's had a really long labor and she's just wrecked. It can be absolutely brilliant for a woman to get asleep. There's ways, you know, you can change from side to side with an epidural. You can sit upright in the bed. You wouldn't be able to walk with the epidural. So most women would have a catheter inserted and that's to help drain the urine from the the bladder to keep the bladder empty. With an epidural, like the risks that would be there is it can prolong a labor. So it can uh, increase the length of your labor. It can increase the, the risk of an instrumental birth also. You wouldn't be as upright. You wouldn't be able to, to move around mm-hmm. or be as mobile either. But equally, all of them have brilliant benefits. They're all there for, for every woman, depending on her preference and what she would prefer to have. Absolutely. And can I ask, Anya, just going back to the hypnobirthing, can you still have a very positive hypnobirthing experience and use pain relief? Or is hypnobirthing without pain relief? Because I think that's kind of what we want to really get to because, you know, you can do all the hypnobirthing things and, you know, you have the great mindset. And if you get to the end point and you have an epidural, that doesn't mean that you didn't have your hypnobirthing experience. Absolutely. Oh my God. Oh, completely. Like every woman can use hypnobirthing and every woman with an epidural can still use hypnobirthing. Like, you know, um, just because a woman has had an epidural and maybe has taken the that sensation of the contractions away, her mind is still working. You know, her bodily hormones are still working as well. And the muscles of her uterus are still working in order to birth her baby. So um, it's still mindset related as well as keeping the body calm and relaxed and open. And, you know, we discuss breathing techniques. So the breathing techniques we discuss during hypnobirthing, you can still use them with an epidural. Yeah. Doing hypnobirthing and opting for an epidural doesn't mean you've failed in your hypnobirthing. Not at all. You've made a choice to get that epidural. And that's the right choice that you've made at that time, both for you and baby. So I would never say that someone has failed. Yeah. No, thanks. I think that's good to clarify. As we said already, like birth, you know, doesn't necessarily always go to the plan. So it's good to be to be aware of like when and how interventions like say induction or, you know, assisted birth may be recommended. Do you agree that sometimes we just need to reassure mums they're in the best hands and there's nothing negative about maybe a last minute change of a birth plan? Absolutely. Like, you know, as I said, it's very unpredictable pregnancy and labor and birth. And we never know which woman or which pregnancy is is going to make that change towards the likes of an induction or a cesarean section. And, 
you know, we have all these interventions within a hospital for great reasons. You know, they're there to, to look after a mother and baby and to make sure that at the end of the day, we do have a healthy mom and a healthy baby. So each intervention and um, medical intervention, it has its place and it's great that we have it there. So I would never say that it's negative to have any intervention once it's used in the correct way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Any advice? Because obviously, you know, you know, there's a lot of mums that might be listening that are actually counting down the days to a planned cesarean. Is there anything extra that they need to prepare for or to do knowing that they're obviously going into a cesarean birth? Yeah, I would definitely say um, number one is always mind yourself. You need to make sure you're okay. And especially afterwards, you know, it, it can be a lengthy recovery period. So actually to, to, to get into the mindset that this is not a, a, a quick recovery and I need to rest. I need to mind myself in order that I can look after my baby. I would say research some options within your cesarean section before you go in and then discuss it with your doctor during your antenatal visit. So things like lowering the screen during the cesarean section so you can actually watch your baby being born. It's such a gorgeous experience to be able to see that and witness that. You can ask for skin to skin during um, or just after the cesarean as well, like while you're still in theatre, skin to skin with baby. A lot of uh, hospitals now are actually doing delayed cord clamping with cesareans. So Delayed cord clamping is where we we wait until uh, the blood continu- continues to pulsate through the cord into baby. And this can be great for their um, increasing their iron, their oxygen levels, stabilizing their blood pressure. And actually with cesarean sections now, as long as the baby's okay and mama's okay and there's no excessive bleeding, they can allow that cord to pulsate for a minute or up to one to three minutes. So that can be an option as well. You can ask about listening to music as well. Can I can I bring in my earphones? Can I bring in a little Bluetooth speaker so that I can listen to something during the operation? And then discuss these with the doctor beforehand so that you have a plan that you're actually making it into a, a really positive and, you know, exciting experience going in there and, and meeting your baby um, for a cesarean. I did also put this question out to the mums who had cesarean. So it was like, right. Great. Some of them were similar now to the other ones, but uh, definitely your own pillow. Um, even bigger undies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> be real mindful of your movements afterwards. So like, you know, take your time getting in and out of the car, make sure that you're moving properly. You're not putting pressure on that that wound that scar snacks and water for afterwards as well especially if if you have a cesarean maybe it's later on in the day or if it's during the night that you have something to snack on afterwards and one that stuck out to me was silk pajamas yeah easier to slide in and out of bed very That's, clever that is very clever <laughs> That's a good one yeah that is a good one I would imagine that would be good if you're sli- you're doing your kind of slidey kind of movements yeah um, I know that that's that's really, really good advice. Um, and, and it's good to have those kind of little extra tips, um, especially around the actual C-section itself. I think, yeah, the idea of lowering the curtain and being able to see it would be such a special experience. Yeah. Can we just talk about the, the most amazing part? So the baby is out, it's been born, and it's that beautiful just moment of emotion and just everything's going on. Um, and, and can we just kind of talk, you know, just briefly about what, what, um, what you can expect in those moments? Because obviously there's the elation, there's the beautiful skin to skin and all of that. There's also things going on medically as well. And there's, can, we, can you just kind of go through what might be expected? Because there's a lot of kind of movement in the, the birth suite. And just so people aren't kind of taken aback. 
but they know that there's going to be things that they have to kind of consider. Yeah. So um, as soon as your baby's born, then baby's going to be straight, straight away given to you. Okay. And uh, we do promote skin to skin straight away. So this is, this is where baby's straight up onto your chest. Um, This is great for bonding. It helps to regulate their temperature. And then it's great for initiating breastfeeding for those moms who are opting to breastfeed. As I said before, with the cesarean, you can discuss the option of delayed cord clamping for your baby. And this can take anywhere from kind of five to 30 minutes after the birth. So that cord can continue to pulsate. And then, of course, you can ask if your birthing partner wants to cut the cord afterwards. The big one is your placenta then after that. So unfortunately, you're not completely finished when baby comes out. You totally forget about your placenta, by the way. (laughs) You totally forget. (laughs) You're just so focused on this little human that's lying on top of you. Absolutely. Yeah. So our placenta, so there's, there's different ways to birth our placenta. Okay. Well, I mean, it, it comes vaginally. That's 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 the same. But we've got um, what's called physiological or active management. So physiological is where we're waiting for the body's hormones to kick in and birth the placenta with no medica- medication or intervention. So this would be ideal for women who've had a non-intervention birth, a fairly straightforward, spontaneous labor. That can take for up to an hour for that placenta to, to birth, and that's very normal. Or else we have active management. So active is where you um, are offered an injection of of, of a medication called syntocinon. So this is an artificial of our own hormone, oxytocin. So our oxytocin is our, our love hormone or mm-hmm. it's our hormone that we need for labor. And it also helps to birth a placenta. So this would be more recommended for women if they have had a, an induced labor for various reasons. And usually with active management, we expect that to be a little bit quicker with birthing the placenta. We usually expect to see the placenta within 30 minutes after the birth. Some women opt for active management, even if they've had a straightforward non-intervention labor, and that's totally fine. It's all about choice. And once your placenta is born, then the midwife will normally ask uh, if it's okay to check the, the woman's perineum. So it's important to check the perineum to see if there are any tears or if the woman needs any stitches. And then after that, your midwife's going to help you with feeding. They're going to do a head to toe check with baby and the all important weight check. Yes, it's very exciting. Absolutely. So um, once everything has been fine and mum's been up and kind of been to the toilet and had a bit of a wash and baby's all fine then, and you've had your all important tea and toast, that is so important. To write a passage. Um, <laughs> absolutely. The best tea and toast you're ever going to have. Ever. Uh, <laughs> so um, the family's going to be brought then to the postnatal ward if you're, if you're in the hospital. And that's where you're going to be either on a ward or a single room, depending on the pathway of care you've gone for. If you're at home, then if you've opted for a home birth, your midwife normally stays with you for a couple of hours after the birth. So once again, once the mom and baby are stable, both have been fed, mom's been up to the toilet and she's feeling okay, then your midwife's going to go home and leave you guys in your bed and she would normally come then and visit the following day. So fabulous. Oh, it must be amazing for you to just share those experiences with couples yeah. and, and just all those little babies. Oh, what an amazing job yeah. you have. It's amazing. <laughs> I don't know how you do it, but it's amazing. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, easy, it's easy to do something you love. Yeah, and yeah. you're so passionate about it. And then, um, yeah, it just feels so magical. And, and I just, it's that high as well. And you can feel it. And, and I and I felt it as well after I gave birth. Like, obviously, I had my natural high. and But it was just, mm. it, it just, everybody was kind of happy as well. It just, mm. if you feel it. Like, there's this energy in a room that's just like, oh, it's amazing. 
It's all that it's all that oxytocin flowing it's around. It's just so much. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like you'd never yeah. want the moment to end because it's just so gorgeous. So um, it's like being yeah. transported to just some dream world. But anyway, I just have one last question. If you have to give one piece of advice to share with a new parent starting on this journey, what would that be? I would say um, knowledge is power. And I think to have the opportunity to do uh, an antenatal course, whether it's it's ones in the hospitals, if you can access private antenatal courses or especially a hypnobirthing course, it's absolutely invaluable. That knowledge you're going to learn about the body and questions to ask during your labour and birth and, and um, practical skills as well that you're going to learn, you know, changing a nappy doing a baby bath, these things. I think it's really important to learn those little things. And there's so many courses, whether it's in person or online that you can access. I think it's really, really important to learn about what's happening. You know, we put so much energy and effort and money into the likes of, you know, planning a wedding, giving birth and having a baby is just as big, if not even bigger than that. So if we're willing to spend so much time and money planning a wedding, why don't we do it for for giving birth and looking after our bodies and our babies' bodies and learning about that. So um, I would say definitely learn about it, do research so that you're making the best possible decisions then for you and your baby. I couldn't have said it better myself. I think that is absolute, such a golden nugget of information on you, 100%. Um, and that parallel actually with the wedding and how much you're going to spend on a wedding. <laughs> You know what? Yeah. Those antenatal <laughs> glasses, they're not even going to, you know, it's so small compared to what you spend on, on a wedding. Oh, right? yeah. Even think about your buying yeah. a house and all of that, all those costs. So I think that's a really, really, really good kind of comparison of why you'd you'd invest in these. And, 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 and as you're saying there, just, you know, any course you can get, there's lots of flexibility with courses. There's a lot of stuff, really good stuff online. I think a lot of it is about, you know, talking to people who've been there, talking to friends, lean on your support network as well, which is always helpful. But do try to arm yourself because it just makes the whole experience so much easier when you're going in and you feel kind of ready for it. Anya, for anybody who, you know, wants to learn more from you or get in touch with you, maybe investigate some of your courses or even talk to you about a possible home birth, what's the best way they can do that? Yeah, so um, they can have a look on the website, which is ahmidwifery.com. And then I'm also on Instagram under midwife Anya, so A-I-N-E, or Facebook as well. And then you can also have a look if, if for anyone who's interested in home birth, whether it's myself or any of my colleagues, you can look on the website. So our website is communitymidwives.ie or else you can search HSE Home Birth Service and that'll bring you the information as well. Fantastic. And we'll link all these in the show notes. Anya, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Care and Conversations. Get lots more help, advice and information on our Care Plus Baby Club. It's easy and free to join. Just click the link in the show notes on your podcast player right now. Join us on our next podcast where we talk about all things motherhood and the fourth trimester. To get it automatically, just click the follow button on your player right now. Care and Conversations is produced by JustPod.io and brought to you by Care Plus Pharmacy with outlets right across Ireland. Find your nearest CarePlus pharmacy at careplus.ie. Until next time, from all the CarePlus pharmacy team, thank you for listening.